0: holiday week in new york city and on the minor league baseball podcast it's a holiday for us as well hi everybody welcome in episode number 85 of the show before the show podcast i am tyler mon and the man like a foot eh, maybe a foot and a half to my left sam (laughs) baxter hi sam two
1: feet two and a half feet (laughs) three feet now he's running he's across the hallway
0: Hi, Sam. Hi. It's, it's really nice started? to have you here. I know. It's it, nice to be here. In case people
1: can't tell, we're actually in the same room in together. In the same
0: room, doing the same podcast. It's a rarity, yeah. but it's uh, it's our most special podcast. Right. A very
1: special podcast. Tyler called this the Death Star. I did, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. You said afterwards you meant to call like, Google the Death Star. It was star, a thinly veiled reference to,
0: to Google across the street because yeah. they're, uh, you know... They're they're watching and listening to our every move, I'm
1: sure, <laughs> as of right now. I, think, I don't know if I've know. said this on the podcast before, but the funny thing about the Google sign across from our building is that it replaced a post office sign. Oh, really? So Gmail is literally replacing snail mail. Oh, like, that is very needed, fitting. Yeah. The if metaphors ever, are becoming all too real in society. If you ever days. needed a T.J. Ekelberg for the modern, <laughs> modern age, I think that's it. <laughs>
0: So, hey, welcome in a live edition of the Show Before the Show podcast from MILB.com. I am Tyler Maughan, and he is Sam Dykstra. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and fill your podcasting void. We are on iTunes. We're the Minor League Baseball podcast there, as well as on the Stitcher app, and you can find us at MILB.com slash podcast. We're up to, what are we now, 18 ratings on iTunes? I think yes. you said today, in. Yep. Keeping that perfect five stars. Yeah, so that's so, what, know, 90 stars? 90 stars. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be 90 total stars. Oh, individually, yeah. Individually. So if we could get to 100 by Christmas, that'd be pretty cool. Or by the new year. We'll even push it back. Yeah, we can push it back to 100 stars by the new year. Yeah, which we only could mean two more ratings. Yes, of five stars of, of theoretically. Five stars. That that is the <laughs> or way five we want
0: two to. star ratings that bring our cumulative way way, way down. down, or ten one stars of just a bunch of people who really want to get after it for us.
1: Hey man, the, if they want to give us ten one star ratings and get to us to a hundred, yeah, 100, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that's they, true. Then we can do they, it. They helped us accomplish our goal.
0: <laughs> and also, you should probably figure out something else to do with your time than recruiting nine of your <laughs> friends to give us a one star rating. Um, I actually was doing a a little Google search about the podcast the other day and found. We were featured on a uh, an Indians blog, a Cleveland Indians blog, at the end of last year of, like, listing off some of the, the author's favorite baseball podcasts and said that we were like a, a diamond in the rough. He had discovered stumbled upon a gem. I feel like we should follow up with that guy a year later yeah. and be like, do you still like us? So what's or? your
1: favorite episode? <laughs> That one I listened to 13 months ago. That one.
0: That one was really good. Everything since then. I don't know. No, we got a great one coming up for you today. Louis Brinson, the top-ranked prospect in the Milwaukee Brewers organization, will join the show. We are very excited to talk to Louis Brinson, the 14th-ranked overall prospect in all of minor league baseball, according to our pals at MLB Pipeline. Excited to talk to Louis Brinson. We'll talk Thanksgiving. We'll talk 40-man roster additions, of which he was one in a very, very talented class for the Milwaukee Brewers. And we'll talk about uh, the off-season and his first in the Milwaukee Brewers organization since he was brought over to that system from the Texas Rangers this past summer. All that coming up here in just a little bit, and that segues us perfectly into strike one on this week's edition of Three Strikes. 40-man rosters have been finalized ahead of the 2016 Rule 5 draft. Again, as we get closer to the Rule 5 draft, we'll explain that to you, explain what it means, how it operates, what it entails for guys who are in that situation where they will be exposed to that draft, because no matter what, year after year, you're still going to be confused by it because we're still confused by it because it's kind of a convoluted process. But we'll explain that as we get there a little bit down the road. But 40-man rosters have been finalized. Sam, what stood out to you? That Brewers class, a really, really talented group added uh, to the 40-man roster in Milwaukee, but there are some other standouts as well.
1: Yeah, so let's just set some basic guidelines on this. Uh, guys who have to be protected from the Rule 5 draft are, if you're you know, 19 or older, you have to be, have been in pro ball, or when you signed, if you, you were 19 or older when you signed, you have to be in pro ball for at least four years. Otherwise, you're eligible for the Rule 5 draft. You have to be protected by being added to the 40-man. Or if you were signed at 18 or younger, you have to be in for five years. So that's that's the guideline we're looking at here. And I'm glad you brought up the, the Brewers. I mean, that's part of the reason why I wanted to have Lewis Brinson on the podcast this week because their group that they added was just so stacked. You look at Lewis Brinson. Uh, a guy who really broke out in 2015, I think, was always considered a pretty special talent in, in terms of both power and speed. Uh, but broke out, cr- climbed three levels in 2015. This year wasn't putting up quite the same numbers uh, in the Ranger system, but after the trade, just absolutely took off at AAA Colorado Springs. You'll hear him talk about that in a bit. Uh, Josh Hader also added, Brett Phillips also added. So those are two more top 100 prospects the Brewers now have on their 40-man roster. And Ryan Cordell, a guy who started out really hot last year in the Ranger system, eventually got traded uh, to the Brewer system along with Brinson and Luis Ortiz in the uh, uh, Jonathan Lucroy trade. But what's really interesting to me, and you'll hear Brinson talk to, talk a little bit about this. Tyler actually asked him the question. Uh, all four of these guys who are ranked among you know top thirty prospects in the Brewer system. All four of them came to the Brewers' system in trades. Uh, Brinson Cordello came together. Phillips Hader came together uh, from the Astros. And we're talking about the Brewers as a rebuilding system. They're going to need that young talent. They're going to be competing in a really tough NL Central. Um, So they needed to, you know, ship out some parts and see what they could get back. And now we're starting to see that bear a little fruit. Now, you know, just being added to the 40-man isn't good enough, uh, that's great. You know they're not going to lose them in the Rule Five draft. We need to see them produce at a major league level. But you know th- this is a really really strong class of guys to add, uh, and to see them all grouped together like this. This was probably the m- most impressive addition class I think of this year. Uh, the only other team that I would say potentially rivals it is the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies added Nick Williams, who you know is a top 100 prospect in his own right. Uh, Dylan Cousins. You know, Milby Offensive Player of the Year, uh, led all minor league baseball with 40 home runs this year, and also added 21 steals this year for Double Reading. Redding. Mark Appel, you know, a guy whose star is obviously not as bright as it once was, but former top overall pick. Andrew Knapp, uh, a solid catcher, now on that 40-man roster next to Jorge Alfaro. Uh, Those two will try to battle it out for who's the catcher of the future in Philly. Uh, Ricardo Pinto, Nick Pavetta. I mean, they just added a whole bunch of their young talent. So we're talking about two rebuilding farm systems uh, that brought a bu- whole bunch of guys just one step closer. Um, so when I'm looking at this class, those are the groups that kind of stand out to me. You know, guys like Ahmed Rosario. Uh, he's now one step closer to the majors, and I think that's perfectly well within the Mets' plans. I think Estrubal Cabrera only has one year left on his contract. So Rosario is a guy looking at a midseason call-up. Uh, If not end of the season, you know, preparing for 2018, maybe Uh, Francisco Mejia gets rewarded after his big uh, hitting streak in in the middle of this year in the Indian system. He gets added. Um, So there are a a couple other individuals. But if we're looking at classes, I think the the Brewers 40 man roster just got so much more interesting with just one day, I think, last week.
0: Yeah, I mean, that definitely as a group. There's really not many teams that can compete with what the, the Brewers were able to add last week. There are some really interesting names across some other teams, but no collection of talent quite like that elsewhere. Um, one of the systems that really stands out to me with just the a couple of names added to the 40-man roster, the Toronto Blue Jays add outfielder Anthony Alford and uh, shortstop Richard Urania. The the thing with Anthony Alford, he was a football player, obviously, uh, started his career, I believe, at Ole Miss and then transferred to Southern Miss, played, anyway, got signed. Was kind of doing the two-sport thing for a while, now focusing on baseball, and he's really, really taken off. Played in the Australian Baseball League last offseason, Arizona Fall League this year. The athleticism with him as good as with anybody in the game of baseball really and a very very high ceiling especially now that he has started to focus strictly on baseball it seems like it's coming along as quickly as you would have expected it to at the beginning of his career when he was still doing the two sport thing so he is really impressive Urania is only 20 years old which is really cool too the Tampa Bay Rays added a group of guys that I think similarly to the way you described Mark Appel the stars have fallen a little bit on guys like Willie Adamas and Daniel Robertson that haven't especially in Robertson's case haven't ascended maybe as quickly as you would have thought this time a year or two years ago Uh, but there are intriguing names in other classes but nobody as a group quite as good as that Milwaukee group another name to keep an eye on just because it's a great name and it's fun to say and the Pittsburgh Pirates organization Dovidas Nevoraskas who is attempting to be the first Lithuanian major leaguer I believe uh, which just gave me an excuse to say his name on the podcast and that's really all I was looking for and I think you nailed it Dovidas, Neveroskus. Yeah, that sounds about right. And when people say, Inver- "How do you say that name?" say Neveroskus. What? <laughs> <laugh too> <laughs> I'm I was, really that uh, was a very Ben Hill oh, joke that I just yeah, made. I
1: know, and I very, fed right very into good. it. I don't. I saw it coming, and I did nothing. He's to gonna stop do
0: it. the pun thing. Oh no! Don't listen to him. Uh, but yeah, no, really good group uh, for for the old Milwaukee Brewers and the Philadelphia Phillies. I think are the other ones that yeah, you know, like you said, I think that group. Comes close, maybe not quite as good as what uh, as what the Ast- or what the the Brewers were able to throw up on that list.
1: Yeah, and that uh, me mentioning them is for that one guy on Twitter who, when I said the Brewers have the best forty man <laughs> class of the year, the guy's like, "Have you seen the Phillies?" No, I hadn't seen. The- yes, I've seen the Phillies. I, this is my job. I know what
0: <laughs> everything good are- starts with that one guy on Twitter. Yes. Also, yeah. wasn't it the guy on Twitter? Wasn't it a guy on Twitter who said that we were bad because we only talked about the Cubs? system while the cubs were on the way to winning the world series and we didn't talk about the brewers so there we go angry brewers fans. thanks wisconsin you're really in our good graces (laughs) as of the last two weeks anyway Strike two this week, Sam. Uh, Organization All-Stars, we continue to roll out on the site. My next one will be the Seattle Mariners. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a fun one to cover. But I haven't actually written an org All-Stars in the last couple of weeks. We've had really good ones rolling out, though. I like that because it gives me a chance to read everybody else's good work. Uh, The Minnesota Twins, the New York Mets, a couple of our recent releases. The New York Mets are an interesting system because for so long, it was all about the arms. It was all Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard and Jacob DeGrom and all of these guys that were coming up. Now, there are a lot of bats on the way in that system. And the Twins, a system that produced some of the best talent in minor league baseball in Miguel Sano and in Byron Buxton, uh, Jose Barrios obviously has been a topic of conversation on the podcast in the past as well. That system is really, really interesting now too. Um, and two systems that I think come with a, a decent amount of question marks, but the promise in them is still really high level promise.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's why I think these two match up really well and why I want to talk. About them a little bit this week. I think you set it up very well there. You know, the, I wouldn't say either the Mets or the Twins are, you know, a top five system anymore. But especially with the Mets, you're looking at some really, really top talent. I think Ahmad Rosario, you can probably put up next to, you know, any shortstop prospect in the game at this point, uh, for both offensive and defensive promise. Uh, you know, you, you put him right next to a guy like Liber Torres or, you know, something like that. Um the way he was able to you know grow this year specifically offensively, uh they sent him back to Class A advanced Saint Lucie, uh and there he hit three oh nine, hit even better at double A, Binghamton hitting three forty-one there. Uh so he's grown into a not just like a a prospect who might work out, he's grown into an actual guy. Uh Dominic Smith is kind of that light. I mean, I, we were always worried about his power coming into the The year, you know, this was a first base prospect who hadn't shown much, if any, power at the other levels. This year he hits 14 homers, hits 302 with an 824 OPS. Uh, So those are two guys who you could kind of easily see fitting into Queens in the years going forward. Uh, Like you said, you know, we're so used to talking about who's the next big Mets pitching prospect. Well, these are some hitters you can kind of focus on. Not to mention, you know, Brandon Nimmo had a really good year at Triple A Las Vegas. Um you know t j Rivero nipped him for the batting title in Las Vegas for the pcl batting title uh, so there 's other guys around as well not to sleep on you know the Mets arms I think we learned last year, Seth Lugo and Robert gesellman neither of you know nobody would have thought they were going to be solid contributors down the stretch for a playoff team, and you know they are a playoff contending team, and they proved to be just that, so you know even the guys we 're talking about now, there might be some more diamonds in the rough that we, we you know, haven't even seen yet. They haven't completed their developmental process uh, to pivot over to the twins. They're just really fascinating. And I, I don't want to use this quote without giving it the proper attribution uh, over on FanGraphs, They've been doing their own ranking of prospects and, you know, you can check those out as well to kind of supplement our coverage, pipelines, coverage, baseball, America, you know, there's so much depth of knowledge out there on this kind of stuff, but, uh, for fan graphs, they're right up at the twins prospect. They put it this way. The system is more interesting than it is good or deep, which is just a fascinating way to put this. I, I don't disagree at all. I think that's 100% true, but we, there's still that lingering effect of the twin system when it was one of the best in the game, when Byron Buxton was still a prospect, Miguel Sano was still a prospect. Alex Meyer looked like a really, really good pitching prospect. Now with the angels, uh, that, has kind of lost uh, it's lost its luster a little bit not to say that there aren't solid guys there i mean i i think nick gordon has every chance to be a, a very good to solid you know major league shortstop and we've seen how valuable that can be uh these past few years and steven Gonzalez, you know isn't a guy who's throwing heat like everybody else but uh he's surely sh- shown that he can rack up strikeouts uh anywhere he goes he's at he's Split his time this year between Class A Advanced Fort Myers and Double A Chattanooga. Uh, Jose Barrios, I'm still a major believer in Jose Barrios. I wish the Twins can kind of figure out what is wrong with him at the major league level, but he just has so many pitches, and he's been so dominant Triple A, and he's still. Anytime you talk to him, he's got that confidence. I hope he never loses it. Uh, I'm a believer in him. So there, there are the pieces there. I'm not down on the Twin system by any means, but it's not exactly the one that you might be thinking of if you've been following the game for the last two or three years
0: organization all-stars continue this week by the time this episode is posted uh the oakland athletics all-stars will be up for the 2016 season new york yankees are coming soon as well and then we'll continue on into december as we get uh toward the end of the 2016 calendar year thank god uh let's move on to strike three and it is a holiday week and like i said we're going to be talking with lewis brinson of the milwaukee brewers organization soon we'll discuss some thanksgiving related things with him but sam uh i think we did this last year too and we'll do it every year as long as we've got this podcast because it's a good time to to take this moment and reflect uh thanksgiving we we obviously try to focus on the things that we are happiest about and we are most thankful for in the world and in the world of minor league baseball there's a lot of that stuff uh but for you what are you what are you thankful for in this uh bizarre and wacky industry in which we find ourselves
1: yeah i think it, just the bizarreness and the wackiness of it you know we have you know, we're lucky enough to be around this as a job, and I'm always thankful for that. To think about like what I get to do every day, and what, I get to follow a game that I've been following since I, you know, knew what a bat and ball was. Uh, so I'm thankful for that first and foremost. I'm thankful to you know you, Tyler, Ben, everybody we work with, uh, for making this you know such a good environment to work in, uh, comfortable one to work in, you know, one that allows us to be ourselves, you know, flex our muscles a little bit. Uh, be be ourselves both amongst each other and in our writing. Uh, you know, you guys, the readers, or in this case, the the listeners. Uh, it's always fun to get kind of the feedback that we do. Uh, some of you guys, I know, are, are very loyal listeners and reach out to us a bunch. And I, and you know, we always try to express our thanks, whether it's May or November. But uh, you know, now I, I really want to make sure that's driven home is if you've ever reached out to us, you know, complimented us or just. Had any kind of comment on the podcast, we always welcome it. Um, just don't be too trolly. we're not going to be thankful for trolls, but uh generally speaking, you know the reaction we've had to this uh the reaction we have to our work, I think has been pretty positive and and you know at a time right now when a lot of us are searching for whatever positives we can get, um you know this little hour and a half two hours of my week every week is definitely one of those positives and I'm grateful you know for. Everybody who reaches out to us, every all the guests we've ever had who've been gracious with their time, all of that stuff. That's that's what I think about when I think about what I'm thankful for in this job, uh, specifically. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I can say anything <laughs> to add to that. I feel like I mean, all I can perfect, ma- I can say something about baseball and that, like I'm yeah. thankful for you know, you know, there's new names every year yeah. and there's it's always keeping us on our toes. That's and true. It's a good thing about the minors is just when you get to think, you know, somebody. You get thrown a curveball, and, like, it, it's not the same. You know, we're not sitting here. I, I love Mike Trout, but we're not sitting here talking about a Mike Trout figure yeah. every year. We're, we're constantly having to learn new draft classes, new breakout prospects, that kind of thing. I enjoy that part of the job. So if you wanted something baseball-related, there it is.
0: There you go. No, I, I, like I said, I don't know if I can add anything to that. I mean, I echo – I don't want to be, uh, you know, cliche – athlete speak guy but really none of this would be possible if it wasn't for all of you who tune in every week and subscribe to the podcast and download the podcast and give us a rating and a review and all that stuff on itunes and wherever else you find us without that we wouldn't be able to continue doing this and i remember actually when we started this podcast it was kind of a let's see how this goes and if we find a, a vein with it then we'll be able to keep rolling and since then i mean it's we're two years in now we've got a whole tremendous amount of fun being able to do it and we continue to evolve and getting feedback from you guys is fantastic for us so without you we wouldn't be anywhere with this and so that to me stands out as the thing that i appreciate uh, the absolute most but um yeah i mean from a, a baseball sense and a, a minor league baseball sense i mean i am very thankful that we get to do work in the thing that everybody else turns to to distract themselves from life. I think that, to me, when I worked my very first job in minor league baseball – uh, was uh, was the radio voice, one of the radio voices for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans and one of my very best friends who was in stadium ops with us uh, that year named Brendan Rose. Uh, he used to work for the Pawtucket Red Sox and then was in Myrtle Beach for a little while and now uh, lives back in Rhode Island with his wife and his two kids. Brendan every day when we would come to the ballpark and you know, you got home the night before at 1215, you're back at the ballpark at 730 to pull the tarp, whatever it is the stuff that anybody who works in the industry of minor league baseball knows the days you just regret, the days that you so badly don't look forward to those days Brendan would be the first guy there to say to me hey man a beats working in a cubicle and that no offense to anybody who does so uh working a job that isn't necessarily what they felt like they were going to find or what they were going to end up doing i mean Sam and I are never going to be driving around in Teslas but this is <laughs> w- what would you trade for i wouldn't trade anything for this and so that is what i'm immensely thankful for on a daily basis that we get you know to do this we get to do something that we love for work and it wouldn't be possible now... All of you who tune in, all of you who read our stuff, uh, the people, you know, players' families who reach out to us. When I get players' moms and dads that follow me on Twitter and tweet thanks for a story that I wrote. And, you know, I mean, similarly, the stuff, we don't get a chance to know these guys for long before they graduate to bigger and better things. But when you're out watching Chris Bryant mash dingers in the World Series and you think about the day when you got a chance to interview him in the clubhouse in Mesa prior to his rookie season in the Major Leagues and talk to him about what it was like growing up with Joey Gallo and Bryce Harper – before these guys are the names that everybody knows they're the names that we know as the people who work on this side of it and that you know as the people who nerd out on the prospect side of it and we love you for that we love those guys for that and so i'm really thankful for that and uh and yeah like you said for this is one of those stretches in life where it feels like we're all kind of reaching to find that stuff. And so it feels good to be able to talk about something that you love and be able to do a, make a little bit of a living in it. It's
1: pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have my version of the Chris Bryant thing is Mike Trout, you know, to, yeah. to have two MVPs, one of my first job or one of my first uh, assignments. When I started working here, my first season back in 2012, uh, Mike Trout scored from first on a single, uh, and we were just like, that's crazy enough to be a story. So I wrote it up, and Mike, you know, I was told by Salt Lake that Mike was going out to dinner with his parents, and can you text us the questions? We'll do it that way, and that's obviously not desirable. You don't want to get text responses, but as I'm typing out my first question, Mike Trout calls me back, and that's that's now a story I have forever and ever. Uh, I think my dad might have framed that one, actually, because we were still in that phase of our Sam has a job uh <laughs> You
0: love that when your parents are just like stunned that you're doing something oh, that yeah. contributes to society. He
1: printed out a story <laughs> from the internet and put it in a frame. That's that's how we work. But hey, you know it's good to still have analog things as well.
0: Oh man, so we are thankful for you guys, and we're thankful for all that stuff. And, hey, you can tweet into us and let us know what you're thankful for. Maybe we'll spend some time on uh, on Thanksgiving uh, going through those and you know, trying to feel good about the fact that baseball season seems like a very, very long way off as of right now. But, hey, pitchers and catchers are reporting in, you know, what is this now? Two months, basically. No, three months. Three, three months. But it's but the second <laughs> week in a row that I've done that. Yeah. That's right? Okay. Didn't I do that last week? Ah, it's only two months until February.
1: I would have forgotten it if you did. So let's just pretend you didn't. I'm and good. This is like a new problem. I'm good that way.
0: Three months. <laughs> three months three long cold months no um we're we're thankful for all of you that's the moral of the story so hey that wraps up this week's edition of three strikes and we are really excited for this week's interview on the 85th episode of the show before the show podcast lewis brinson the top-ranked prospect in the milwaukee brewers organization and baseball's 14th overall prospect joins the show getting set for the 2017 season his first full campaign in the milwaukee system lewis brinson coming up next thanksgiving week brings us to a guy who has a lot to be thankful for as of just the last week or so it's the top-ranked prospect in the milwaukee brewers organization outfielder lewis brinson who joins the show on his way to hit because things don't even stop during a holiday week lewis how much do you have to hit today and this week in order to be able to just eat whatever you want on thursday and as much of it as possible
2: Um, probably every single day, (laughs) Uh, even, even Thursday morning. uh, I ask the cages to, to stay open for us. Um, like just for, just for a couple pro guys, we'll go hit early in the morning and then head to our family's houses to go eat. So I'm pretty excited about that.
0: So tell us about, uh, you know, just the way that this offseason has been so far. You know, what, obviously going to hit now, you're staying in a, in a routine or getting into a routine, um, you know, that you've been part of for the last few years as a professional. But what's it been like from, you know, the first couple of weeks of September, season ending up until now?
2: Uh, it's been great. Um, you know, finally having some time to kind of relax and unwind from the season. Uh, kind of a long season, an eventful season, as you guys could know. Um, you know, we're going on to another team learning a whole new system and all new teammates and friends so it, it's nice to come home after the long season and just kind of um, just kind of break really uh, I took a cruise right when I got back just to kind of get my mind off baseball a little bit and obviously watch the World Series as that was going on so I was home most of September I took all of September off and the first couple weeks in October and kind of kicked it up training wise and hitting wise um, maybe mid-October yeah mid-october and been training you know getting after it hard ever since
1: and obviously last week was a pretty big week for you you get officially added to the Brewers 40-man roster uh, heading into your first offseason with that organization but what was that conversation like or was it even a conversation did they just call you and say hey by the way this is official now how does that process kind of work itself out
2: well first of all I'm thankful for the Brewers for putting me on the 40 man uh, it's a big step in my career and uh, you know it's something I've been waiting for uh, you know since I got drafted so I want to thank them for first of all trading for me and believing in me uh, to even consider me put, put put me on the 40 man um, but you know it, it's a it's a great kind of anticipation come leading up to it because obviously everybody knows uh, when the deadline is if you're that guy that's supposed to get protected that year if it's your protection year. Um, So it's definitely a cool process going through it, you know, seeing your name kind of on TV every now and then and, you know, seeing people talk about you uh, as one of the top prospects in the game. And I've always told people uh, that I take that to heart. You know, I'm very honored and blessed uh, that people see me as that high of a caliber of player because I I really see myself as as that high caliber of player for many years to come, uh, God willing. But, you know, it was just a simple process. You know, they called me, told me, you know, congratulations and, you know, keep working hard. I told them I was, I was actually in Alabama when they called at a wedding, so I wasn't working hard at that moment. But, you know, <laughs> I was, gonna, <laughs> I was uh, you know, I told them everything was going well and uh, thank you for the opportunity.
1: And, and with the group that you were added with, I mean, there was you, there was Josh Hader, Brett Phillips, Ryan Cordell, a guy you know from the Ranger system. That that might be the most impressive group of guys that were added to a 40 man roster. Uh you know you you've only spent a couple months with this organization but one of the first guys you tweeted at was Brett Phillips saying God is good. Uh what is it like being part of that group? How have you kind of made yourself a part of that group in, in these past few months?
2: Oh, I'm very blessed to know all, all four of those guys. Well, all three of those guys. I really haven't met uh Taylor yet, but you know, I'm sure I'll meet him at spring training. But, you know, Cordell, I don't think he gets enough credit, man. Ryan Cordell is is one of the best players I've ever played with and the most athletic players I've ever played with. So I don't think that man gets enough credit. So I'm just putting that out there. You guys need to give him more credit, man. He is, uh, if not, you know, if not the best, you know, one of the best outfielders, you know, in the minor leagues right now and soon to be in the big league. So I give him, you know, a lot of credit. You know, I hope he's listening to this wherever he's at. But, you know, those three guys, uh, Brett and, and Josh, man, those are great dudes. I met them in the fall league last year and obviously very talented dudes, very uh, good people. And, you know, I'm just very blessed and very humbled to be able to go on the 40-man and really start our careers together, uh, you know, all at the same time. And like I said, I'm very excited to be with the Brewers organization. A lot, a lot of good people so far, I've only been there for—I was only there for a month—but uh, all the Triple A guys were awesome. Um, but those those guys that got put on, man, those are those are great um, teammates and and great players. So they they're very uh, deserving of that honor.
0: Lewis, just sticking on that topic before we talk a little bit about your 2016 season. Um, you guys are part of a group you know you mentioned two guys there and Ryan and and Brett who are also trade acquisitions and that's got to be an interesting brotherhood bond to kind of form with guys who have been through the same sort of thing that you've been through and you know for Brett Phillips he goes through it a little bit before you guys do is there do you feel like you share a little bit of camaraderie with those guys because you know what it feels like now to you know come to the Brewers organization as guys who are going to be viewed very much as part of the future there and also guys who have gone through that trade process I mean how do you relate with guys who have experienced that same sort of thing
2: Oh, you know, obviously I, I didn't I'm gonna be honest, I really didn't think it was gonna happen. I thought there was a possibility. Um, but you know, the Rangers had to do what the Rangers had to do. You know, they had to they had to win right then and there and you know, they did what they thought was, was right for the team thus far and you know, I, I I've said this to many people many times. You know, I thank you I thank them for everything they've done for me and the coaching staff and and J.D. and all those guys in the front office for even giving me an opportunity to start my career first and foremost. But, you know, those guys coming from a different organization, you know, kind of picking their brain on how to kind of acclimate to the new team and what to say, what not to say, and, you know, who to kind of meet first. Obviously the manager's the first guy you want to meet and say hi to. But, you know, having that camaraderie a little bit, coming from a different team now that I know what it's like, You know, it it forms a little bit more of a bond, I'd say.
0: All right, so let's talk about twenty sixteen a little bit. So you're with the Rangers, seventy-seven games you spend with A Frisco. When you get traded to the Brewers organization, instead of going to double A Biloxi, they bump you up to Triple A Colorado Springs. And the thing that's really impressive is not just the, the difference in offensive numbers. I mean, obviously everybody's gonna say Colorado Springs, you're gonna be a better hitter no matter what, but you jump to a higher level, the highest level of the minor leagues, and it's not like the ballpark or the altitude or the atmosphere can account for it because you bat basically 155 points higher at the triple A level than at the A level but everything across the board was impressive for you 23 games with Colorado Springs you OPS over a thousand in your first taste in AAA was there something that changed was there an approach or or anything that was different for you when you got to the Brewers organization or did it just kind of feel like things clicked last year toward the end of the summer
2: Uh, you know when I came back uh, from that first injury uh, the shoulder injury I was starting to get hot I was starting to see the ball well and kind of feel out my swing Obviously, starting off the year, uh, you know, I wanted to start off better. Everybody does. But, you know, baseball is a tricky game, a weird game uh, sometimes. So, um, but like I said, when I came back from the injury, I was starting to get hot, starting to feel it a little bit. And obviously, that's right when the trade happened. And I just kind of carried it over to Colorado Springs. I don't think the altitude really had anything to do with it because I was hitting – I was squaring balls up to center field, and they were getting caught. So, either I was tired or the wind was going in that day. But uh, I just – you know, I just I just think, you know, I got hot at the right time. You know, end of the season, you kind of t- trying to finish strong. Uh, obviously, season hadn't gone the way I planned on it. Um, you know, getting to a new team, you want to put in a good impression, you know, to your new, new teammates and just the organization uh, as a whole, just to kind of give them justification that they made the right move. Um, you know, obviously, it's not going to pan out uh, until I get to the big leagues, but you know, just to kind of give them a little taste and, uh, you know, kind of give myself the confidence of, you know, coming over to a new team and really getting a hot start going. You know, it was, really, it was really good for me, and it felt great to get it going like that.
1: Well, the interesting thing for me was looking at this season and comparing it to 2015 because 2015 kind of had a similar thing, uh, thing for you where you got called up to A at the very end of the year, only played eight games for Round Rock, but were really hot for them going into the playoffs. You do the same thing. This year, uh, what? how are you a different player, you know, over this last year? What what lesson have you particularly learned, you know, in this year, you know, discounting the trade just on the field stuff? How are you a different player now at the end of 2016 than you were at the end of 2015?
2: Um, uh, you know, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, so 2015 was kind of the turning point for me. Um, just trusting myself and really, you know, going into every game just really trusting my abilities and you know telling myself listen you're good enough to play with anybody and face any pitcher so don't really get down on yourself if something doesn't go your way you know you got to pick yourself back up and try not to get too down try not to get too high just kind of stay even keel and you know I really told myself 2015 and obviously it showed and then 2016 getting off to a rough start um I got a I picked myself out of the hole. You know, I, I really pat myself on the back for that. Um, you know, that could have been that could have turned into a disastrous season. Even with the trade, um, but you know, I got I didn't get too down on myself. I trusted my abilities, and you know, I had a good uh, month and a half last month with the Brewers. And uh, you know, I, I think I'm just a more of a mature player, so to speak. You know, being in the minors, playing pro ball for four and a half, five years now. You know, you kind of learn some things from uh, from yourself and from other players, um, you know, veteran players, coaches, you know, everybody really trying to pick their brains. So I think I'm more of a mature player, kind of knowing what kind of player I'm going to be and what, uh, you know, trying not to do too much. So kind of really feeling out what kind of player I want to be and what kind of player I'm going to be uh, for uh, years to come
1: and uh you know just kind of looking a little bit forward to 2017 obviously it's going to be your first spring training with the brewers but it's also going to be your first spring training as a guy on the 40 man uh what do you expect is going to be different about that experience not just a guy who's getting you know a major league invite to spring training uh for the team to get get you a taste of what things are like it's going to be as a full-fledged you know roster member maybe even potentially competing for a spot in milwaukee
2: I don't think anything's going to change. Uh, the only thing's going to change is the, the name on the front of the jersey. Uh, obviously, I'm with a different team. Uh, mindset is still the same, no matter what team I'm going to be with, uh, you know, in my years to come as a big leaguer. But, you know, mindset is, mindset is still the same. Go out there, play hard every day, play 100 uh, percent, no matter what, and, you know, give it your all. And I know that's very cliche, but. You know, that's just how my mind works. That's how I was raised by my mom. That's how my hitting coach has taught me. That's how really everybody that uh, has been in my corner has has taught me. You know, just keep the same mindset. Whatever's working, you know, if it's working, don't fix it, you know. So I'm just going to go with the same mindset. I'm going to try to uh, go in there and and really show the brewers that uh, they made the right move when they got me in the trade. And, you know, I'm going to take it from there. Whatever happens from there happens. You know, I'm going to control what I can control.
0: Lewis, there is a uh, kind of a gathering storm of momentum in that Brewers system right now. And, um, you know, being in Maryvale last spring, you could sort of sense it. But with the pickups this year, you know, the 40 man class in itself shows how much talent there really is in that organization right now. And really difficult division, obviously. World Series champions coming out of that division. The Cardinals are always going to be good. The Pirates are going to be good. The Reds have some pieces going forward. But even in your limited time in the system, are you able to tell right now just what that energy feels like? I mean, how excited guys are around you for how close, there is uh you know toward there being another window of contention opening up in milwaukee what's that like right now
2: oh definitely definitely obviously the ultimate goal is to win the world series and there was a few guys in triple a um now we're on the cusp and having a really good years, and they could kind of sense it from being in the in the organization for a few years and uh with the trades that the milwaukee has made over the years and you can kind of sense it that there there's some good things coming in uh in milwaukee in the next couple of years you know obviously going going through kind of a rebuilding stage, uh, if you want to call it that. But, you know, I think we have a pretty good chance next year. You know, I can't speak because I haven't been up there. But, you know, my ultimate goal is to win. Win every game, obviously. You can't win all of them, but you're going to put your best effort to win. uh, The ones that you're supposed to win, the ones that you can win. So, obviously, like I said, tough division, World Series champs. Congratulations to the Cubs. Uh, or 105 years or whatever it was but you know that was awesome to see but tough division like you said a lot a lot of good teams everybody's a good team so you know what's brewing in the minor leagues is very exciting for fans I think fans should be very excited about it and uh, I'm definitely excited about it um, you know all the young guys are um, that are going to be a part of it so everybody's very excited you know I really haven't gotten like I said I was only there for a month so I really haven't gotten the feel of the whole organization, but just from AAA and, you know, talking to David Stearns and, and Tom Plank and you know, it, it seems like they're very excited about this next group, uh, this next wave coming up to the big leagues.
1: All right, uh, Louis, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this one uh, and then send you back out to the cages. But uh, just to bring things full circle here, we started out talking about Thanksgiving and your plans. So we might as well ask, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Not not turkey, but what is your favorite go-to uh, uh, this cu- upcoming Thursday?
2: I'm not even turkey guy to be honest. Oh, like, really? I'll have, a okay, well. I'm, I'm, I'll have a couple strips of turkey just because it's Thanksgiving. You know, I think it'd be against tradition not that turkey, but um, my mom's stuffing and my mom's um, ham. She kinda of coats it I can't tell you what I can't tell you. <laughs> she me out of the family if I told you guys. Right, yeah. Um but her them. ham and, and uh stuffing, those are what that is what I'm looking forward to okay. on Thursday.
1: All right, you're a good son. Yeah. You're a good son. Keep it uh, family uh, sure. secrets, loyal to the ham. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm very impressed. By. As oh, yeah. impressed as I am with anything baseball-related with Lewis Princeton now we know, stuffing and ham, I'm impressed by the Thanksgiving loyalty. <laughs> Lewis was the top prospect in the Milwaukee Brewers organization, blew up last year in his final month of the season with A Colorado Springs and a lot on the horizon in 2017. Lewis, we can't thank you enough for joining us Thanksgiving week, and uh, enjoy the holiday and enjoy getting ready for next season, man. Best of luck. All
2: right. Thank you, guys. <laughs>
0: We've had a, a handful of episodes in recent months in which I've been in the office, and I feel like Benjamin Hill and I have missed each other those times, but today, the three-man band is back together for the first time. Hi, Ben.
3: If we're back together for the first time... <laughs> for the first
0: time in a long time.
3: <laughs> yeah, that, it's that, a yeah.
0: new and improved podcast. Yeah, well, Jumbo Shrimp is now an actual team name, so speaking of contradictions in themselves.
3: Yeah, so we speak in contradictions, we yeah. speak in oxymorons, right. and everyone's doing the Mannequin Challenge. Can you guys, like put in the, that Black Beatles song for me? Uh, yeah. When you introduced my segment?
0: We should have done that. I just took pictures of you two and posted you on uh, on the old tweet machine. I should have done something related to the Mannequin Challenge. I just that.
3: had that song in my head all day. That, oh, okay. Haters mad for whatever can reason. Can we just put like
1: a one minute silence into the podcast and just have everybody assume we're frozen in place?
0: Our Mannequin Challenge is just uh, nothing but dead air on the podcast. No, it's really good. It's really good radio. Um, so, hey, Ben. Okay, so uh, last week... Sam and I kind of broke down the the new name of the former New Orleans Zephyrs and a a longtime minor league franchise, longtime minor league team named the Zephyrs, and that they were named the Zephyrs in a previous city before they moved to New Orleans. Now the New Orleans Baby Cakes. We're not going to get too far into it because we talked about it last week. But uh, to kind of wrap this up and get the the guru's take on it, Baby Cakes. I mean, a lot of these have been outlandish, and this may top the top the list of that.
3: You know, I really think it probably does. And it probably tops the list because New Orleans is such a large market. So you're talking about a a team name and a rebranding that no matter what it was is naturally going to get more attention than the uh, Binghamtons of the world. And, you know, no disrespect to the Binghamtons of the world. Um, But when you're dealing with, like, a a major market such as that and you're talking about changing the team name, you're going to get a lot of attention. And when you go at that outlandish – you know, you, you, you get what I'm what I'm sure the team was expecting. But I, I think, again, I, we're kind of a broken record with this, but uh, the Zephyrs are a team that struggles to draw. They don't play in the city proper. I've been to New Orleans a couple times and talked to people who live there, and there doesn't seem to be the greatest awareness of Zephyrs baseball. So even if people are hating on this name, they're talking about this minor league team probably for the first time in years, if not for their lives, in their lives, a lot of them. Of course, it's a dedicated fan base. But a lot of the the general chatter goes beyond that, and that's the name of the game. I mean, it's hard. You're in New Orleans. You're art and culture and food in a big city. Who's talking about a minor league baseball team in Metairie?
0: You're competing with an NBA team. You're competing with an NFL team. I mean, yeah, you have to start the conversation somewhere. And is it
3: Metairie or Metairie? I was there, and I forget. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question,
0: actually, It's How bad. far outside of New Orleans actually is that to give people some perspective? Oh, it's only like
3: six or seven miles. But it's
0: still—it's not like you're down near. They're not playing at the foot of the su- of the, the Superdome.
3: No, 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 no. And you're not in the French Quarter, and there right. uh, there aren't uh, you know jazz bands uh, walking by and and all that that kind of. Uh, there's no sense of being in New Orleans when you go to a Zephyrs game. Although uh, Graham Parsons was buried yeah. in the town of Metairie. Interesting. Metairie. Metairie. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody email in and tell us. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, one other one that obviously New Orleans is big on the map, but one place I don't think a lot of people knew about necessarily was, I want to get this right, Bowie's Creek, which is now going to be the home of the Astros Class A Advanced affiliate the next two seasons until they get up to Fayetteville. What can you kind of tell us about that move and and the decision to go with just Bowie's Creek Astros? nothing too fancy there.
3: Well, you know, I was out of town last week, so I actually missed out on covering the uh, New Orleans uh, baby cakes as well as the Bowie's Creek Astros, and while I was very happy to get a uh, a break from uh, our minor league reality and our minor league existence, and just a break from the world as a whole, um, you know, I didn't get, our good friend Danny Wilde wrote about these stories, so I didn't get a lot of these things out of the horse's mouth, but, um, you know, the Bowie's Creek Astros are owned by the Astros, and they just might have wanted to take a conservative approach to uh, the name and uh, logos and uniforms. And also, it's a temporary thing. They're playing at a facility that was built in the '40s that they're sharing with Campbell University. Um, it was the result of an extensive search to find a placeholder until a new stadium is built in Fayetteville. So, if you are going to do a, a rebranding, and you're going to be the next Fire Frogs or Rumble Ponies or Baby Cakes. If and when you want to do that, it's probably in conjunction with the opening of a new stadium uh, in the market in which you'll be based in for the long term, as opposed to playing at like a seventy-year-old uh, college facility as a stopgap for two years. So I think it just made sense to go conservative in this in this case. And that
0: uh, facility is the home of the Fighting Camels. Of Campbell University. I I was thinking that we're talking about this conservative (laughs) minor league
3: name, and they're sharing it with a a baseball team named the Fighting Camels, which sounds perfect for minor (laughs) league baseball.
0: If they moved on and they became the Fayetteville Fighting Camels, people would think, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard.
3: Yeah, but it already exists in 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 (laughs) nearby Bowie's Creek, and it it is it is tough. I, I I have to admit, I was on vacation. I saw the news. I was trying to avoid you know work stuff, but I said, hey, I have to know this. And my first thought was, like, it's B-U-I-E-S. Right. And I think that joins the Louisville Bats as the only team name in minor league baseball with three consecutive vowels. Interesting. I think that was asked on Twitter in my absence last week. Wow. Huh.
0: Okay, now here's a question for you, which was not on our – on our pre-show prep list, so I'm just going to throw this at you. But because there's a trend, I guess if you can call two a trend here, and with Bowie's Creek it may not be long-lasting, but the two teams that will be added to the Carolina League are now named for geographic regions, and they are not named for specific towns, although they will be going to specific towns. The Kinston team, the Down East Wood Ducks, now the Bowie's Creek Astros. There's also the former – uh, a club from uh, from brevard county which will be the florida fire frogs in the florida state league also geographically named in terms of a region a state do you think that's a a coming trend now Are we going to start seeing rather than just a specific city a specific town name does it seem like teams are going to start trying to branch out to expand themselves to a regional feel in that regard
3: i'm not sure we could call it a trend but you do see it sometimes in smaller markets um in a, especially you know Kinston is one of the smallest uh, full-season markets in minor league baseball and while a lot of people are up in arms as we've talked about in the past about down east being in the name and Kinston's not even in the down east uh, the, the thought behind that is if we just say we're Kinston we might have a harder time Uh, marketing to people beyond the Kinston region and if Kinston is a comparatively small town of 20,000 people, you kind of want to throw your name out there in a way that says, hey even if you're from 30, 40, 50 miles away, this is your town as well. So I don't know if it's a trend per se, but we definitely uh, have seen it happening a few times. Uh, Obviously an extreme case with the Florida Firefrogs playing in the Florida State League and uh, just saying, hey we're Florida.
0: Which I also find interesting because there was a major league team that took the name Florida and they ended up switching to being a city in the Miami Marlins. So now there's a minor league team that just decides we'll
1: take the whole state the
0: marlins don't want it we'll just take the whole state
1: the fire frogs good on you fire frogs sam yeah Yeah, no i i I, when you asked the question i wanted to look up a fact about buoys creek and let me just read it's from wikipedia so take that for whatever it's worth (laughs) buoys creek is a census designated place where cdp for short located in the neals creek township of harnett county north carolina so it's not even like a town or a city it's just Here's where a bunch of people are, 2,942 in 2010. And this is, like, the census has just decided this is a spot now. So that's what what the Astros A advanced uh, team will be playing in next yeah, year. Yeah, and
3: it's a spot with a minor league baseball team. Who knew? <laughs> I, I mean, I knew that the search was far and wide. I knew that they'd tried to uh, uh rule out going to Granger Stadium and uh, sharing that facility with the Wood Ducks, but I was surprised that um, you know what they did find was a uh, 70-year-old facility in uh in a uh, uh in a census designated place. But
0: and Fighting Camels already taken. Yeah, the yeah. Fighting <laughs> Camels were already there.
3: They got to share it with the Fighting Camels. So, hey,
0: Ben, we just passed Milby time, um, now busy time, in which uh, we get to hear about some of the best in minor league baseball on the business side that we may have missed or may not have covered in the Milbies. Tell us about the the busies for the 2016 season.
3: Well, this is an an award that I essentially made up, the busies, the (laughs) B-I-Z-Z-Ys, because as you guys know from talking to me every week, it takes me a little bit of time after the season to finally finish every single bit of road trip content that I have, and uh, I have done that um, earlier this month, completed all my road Trip posts, so kind of in conjunction with that, as kind of a celebratory nod that the off season has truly arrived for me. I just make up my own set of awards. This is the third year I've done it, and I just pick random categories and random things, just as a way to highlight, um, you know, some of the stranger or just more unique or heartwarming or, or who knows what things on the road. So uh, you can check that out on the web page, uh, milb.com, the web page. You know? <laughs> check it out on the web. Um, I to ask Jeeves. Yeah, but the. Look up Busy Awards, B I Z Z Y or B I Z Z I E S, I guess, if we're talking apostrophes, the Ben's Busies um, on MILB.com. I have uh, Best Use of Sunblock, yeah. Uh, best Dressed League President, what's up, Charlie Blaney of the California League. I, I love, uh, uh, I fell in love with Shelly the Pistachio, so I had to give her a, a, a nod for sure. Uh, yeah, I got Bluefield's Super Loud Fan on there. I mean, I'm just. Oh, Roscoe the Wrestling Rooster. Yeah. I wrote this a couple. I wrote this a couple weeks ago, and now I'm reading it as if I didn't write it, and I love everything about it. So check it out. The busies. Um I saw a lot of great things on the road. I'm done writing about it. Uh, Ben's Biz Blog. Uh, as always, has plenty of that stuff. Uh, we've switched to Medium, a new uh, yeah, a, a new blog provider. I'm I'm in the process of getting that set up now, and hopefully it'll be a better experience for all. But you can check out all my road trip posts, and coming very soon, you know, off season content, our favorite kind of content, except for in season content.
1: And Ben, we'll let you go on this one. Um, we covered this earlier in the show uh we did what we were thankful for cuz it's thanksgiving week so we have to ask you in the minor league landscape you know this 2016 year this 2016 season what have you been thankful for uh you know so far this season these first 11 months of the year
3: just in the year 2016 in as the, a whole in, or whatever or in the world if you can expand it out. Minor minor league yeah. no, no we're not going to tell you you can't oh, be thankful for something man are going to hold you down yeah oh man you know guys were never supposed to go off script <laughs> <laughs> What am I thankful for? In the world of minor league baseball, this sounds cliche, but um, the fact that I still am able to do this and uh, make a living exploring America through minor league baseball, the people who get in touch with me, you know, Twitter, at Ben's Biz, uh, through the blog, um, and say, hey, I like what you do, or say, hey, like I told my friends about it, or say, hey, I even wore a Ben's Biz t-shirt. I don't want to make it about self-promotion. But this has kind of been an unlikely thing that I've done from the very beginning. It didn't have a master plan. It's evolved over almost a decade now, and uh, I still feel like there's so much more room to grow, so I'm thankful that I'm still able to get to grow this niche. And if you like minor league baseball, exploring America through minor league baseball, pop culture, uh, the weirdo margins of baseball and pop culture and America, then... uh, Thank you for uh, joining me in this uh, journey, and I hope it continues, and I am really thankful for, for all of that.
0: There you have it. He is Benjamin Hill. He is on Twitter, at Ben's Biz, and you can tell him how thankful you are for Ben there. Uh, as soon as we get done with this segment, we're going to do the same and, and give Ben an awkward hug. And uh, you can also check out the blog, blogs.com, which, as Ben noted, we're switching over to Medium uh, for all of the MILB blogs, so hopefully a better uh, reading and viewing experience for all of you once we get that transition completed. And uh, we are thankful for you, buddy. Oh,
3: thanks. thanks. You Thank guys you. are really Listen sweet. To that. <laughs> it's like an audible,
0: because we're together, <laughs> you can actually hear me patting yeah. you on the back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: We don't have to throw in the sound <laughs> effects. Usually like we add we the back-slapping sound effects, but today this is real. This is organic. Genuine <laughs> back-slapping. This is real organic back-slapping. Now cue some race Rummers Some black beetles, so I can leave.
0: (laughs) Bye, man. all right we're gonna get out of here the final segment of the 85th episode of the show before the show podcast you can find us again on itunes we're on the stitcher app and we're at milb.com slash podcast sam is on twitter he is at sam dykstra milb and i'm going to wrap this episode by asking you the same thing you asked lewis oh okay because i was gonna ask you like, okay i can't get out of this no. without
1: like asking ourselves the same thing we asked lewis brinson
0: well tell me not only your favorite side but give me like the the dykstra family thanksgiving rundown
1: oh yeah for sure i think this we definitely did last year but yeah. i'm gonna go over we, got, it we gotta do this yeah. we do yeah this is an want to ride listen to both and then compare that's right. fine like make call me on my bluff <laughs> if i lie. uh no so the, the the dykstra family thanksgiving is we go down to connecticut where my mom is from uh her hometown we have it with her family and we have a really cool tradition in which we me and my mom participate in what's called the manchester road race uh it's the second biggest in terms of people second biggest race in all of new england behind the boston marathon uh about 12,000 people do it. It's about four and a half miles goes through my mom's hometown. Uh, what I really like about it is my mom has been doing it for, I'll just say a long time. Uh, but when she started, women were not allowed to finish. Uh, she, you know, had the, when she did the race, she was in high school and they would stop women at the finish line just because it was an all men's race. And I found this out this year. She said her father. So my grandfather, who I never got to know, sadly, uh, told her if you're going to do this you best damn well finish the race and burst through the finish line so uh that's it's kind of a neat little thing we do every year um so we'll be doing that Uh, it's supposed to be snowy and icy in connecticut this year so that might not be as fun as normal uh but then we go to my aunt's house for your basic Turkey. I'm a dark meat person. I want that on okay. the record. Okay. Okay. Me and my sister are the only dark meat people in our family, which is kind of good. Interesting. I like the juiciness of it. Okay. I don't like the drying it. Compare to add gravy. Yeah. Like no, no it's true. just like just get to the juicy parts. Huh. Uh, and I will ride and die with cranberry sauce, canned, <laughs> canned cranberry sauce. Okay. That's where. Yeah. That's where the good stuff yeah. is. Yeah. Stuffing. Yeah. Rolls. Yeah. And apple pie. Okay you an apple pie guy. I am an apple pie. I don't understand. Like, there was a lot of pie debates on Twitter today. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's just ignoring apple pie. They're like, oh, well, pumpkin is trash or key lime pie is trash or whatever. Huh. Apple pie is a pie for all of us. And the time we all need to come together, let's baseball, all come it's around. It's the
0: second thing in baseball, apple pie.
1: Oh, my friend tweeted at me just to say, like, you like Bruce Springsteen, you like apple pie, and you write about baseball. You're America personified, <laughs> and I am okay with that. I am okay with that. It's who I am. It's huh. what I've become in my twenty-six years of life.
0: I'm a pumpkin so, guy. I'm a pumpkin
1: guy that's at Thanksgiving a, time. That's fine. Okay. I'm just saying, like, I, for a, nobody really has a hot take on this apple is, pie. This is
0: 2016 America. You can't listen to an opinion of mine that differentiates with one of yours and say like, that's, that's fine. fine. Yeah, you can't without do that. like
1: the fire going around me. <laughs> That's fine. This is fine.
0: fine. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, no, I – obviously, I come out here for Thanksgiving. (laughs) No, ever since I was a kid, uh, we've done Thanksgiving. My mom is from New York City originally. My mom's family still lives here. My sister now lives here with her husband and their baby girl. Uh, So we come out here annually for Thanksgiving. I've been doing this my entire life. And uh, so we come here. We go to my aunt's house. My mom, uh, an Italian family. She grew up in East Harlem. This is like – the tradition now in the family is thanksgiving and we only have i think this year we only have 13 people coming to thanksgiving but we usually have almost two times as many side dishes as we have people which is the dumbest thing in the world so we'll have turkey but in addition to that we'll have like 22 to 26 side dishes which is the dumbest thing on earth but i'm a stuffing guy that's my that's my thing first and foremost um i feel like I don't really take a side in the, in the white meat or the dark meat debate. I, I enjoy both. I think they're both terrific. And I am also fascinated by the fact that they can both come from the same animal. That kind of blows my <laughs> mind. Like they're that good, but they're all contained in one turkey, which is very weird. But I, I, I like that facet of the light meat that you have to
1: have the gravy for it. That I enjoy. I, that's fine. I have nothing against gravy. I, it's just like when you are adding one substance to another substance to get a substance that already exists. True. Like I'd rather that's just sure. already have the option on the plate. That's all I'm saying. I keep
0: saying light instead of white meat, by the way. I kept saying light meat, like as if it was <laughs> as if it was the dark meat with less sugar, well, and we, calories. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's no. It's, it's a light. It's this the is a light option. meat. It's L I
1: T E <laughs> too, because of branding purposes.
0: But uh, yeah, so I am a uh, I'm a I'm a stuffing guy, and I am same way. I'm a canned cranberry guy. I'm okay with cranberry sauce that's made. I'm okay with it, but I generally go with the canned thing, which is weird because that's not. Usually, the way that I do things food wise, but it's Thanksgiving, man. You know, Thanksgiving also, the only meal in which I'm okay with just everything on my plate running together. Yes. Normally, I have a big issue with that. Like, especially if I'm having, like, let's say an Italian dinner, and I'm having, like, pasta with sauce, and I have a salad on the same plate. I rigorously defend the line between the salad and the pasta because I can't get the sauce on my salad. I can't have warm sauce on a cold salad. No. But Thanksgiving. Everything, Everything, the cranberry runs on the turkey and mashed potatoes and the stuffing, it all gets together. It's the greatest thing in the world. And then
1: you have leftovers where you literally just put all of that onto a sandwich.
0: Did you confuse it with your own sandwich with the moist maker? Um, High five to anyone who's laughing at my terrible friends reference from 1999. So do will get us out of this week's edition of the show before the show podcast but hey we're talking about things we're thankful for and food we like it's the first time i've smiled in two weeks it's a good thing hey thanks buddy i'm yeah, thankful no, for you sam
1: I know. I know i'm thankful we're gonna for go you. hang
0: out after this which is even which is even cooler <laughs> even we're rarer breaking the fourth wall of the podcast we're gonna have our own thanksgiving sorry. yeah absolutely we are i don't think a podcast gonna have four walls it's only audio <laughs> bye everyone <laughs> happy thanksgiving happy love thanksgiving. you <laughs> talk to you next week